Hey, this is Jen. Before we get started with today's show, I have a quick ask of you. We're two seasons into our Work Well podcast series, and I want to hear from you. If the show has helped you in any way, please take a couple of minutes to rate and review the show. Let us know what you think. Let us know what's helped you. Let us know what you want more of, what you want less of. But just take a couple minutes to do that. It would mean a ton to me, and it'll help us get better and better in the future. I really do want to hear from you. Every two years, as the Olympics draw near, our excitement for sports and physical wellness is at an all-time high. And though many of us will never compete at the Olympic level, there's a lot we can learn from these incredible athletes. This is the WorkWell podcast series. Hi, I'm Jen Fisher, Chief Wellbeing Officer for Deloitte, and I'm so pleased to be here with you today to talk about all things well-being. I guess that's kind of my apprehension about joining sports to begin with because I never considered myself to have a disability because I was always expected to do anything that anyone else could do um, but it you know you have to realize like well this is the reality of the situation like I have one hand and some things that other people can do are it's more difficult for me but the vast majority of people who are successful are successful because they are relentless in their pursuit of that success I'm here with Chris Hammer, a five-time NCAA All-American distance runner who earned a gold medal in the 1500 at the 2011 Parapan American Games and finished top 10 in the 1500 and marathon in the 2012 London Paralympic Games. Following the 2012 Games, Chris turned his sights towards the triathlon. He won a bronze medal in the 2014 and 2017 World Championships and he earned a spot on the national team for the 2016 Paralympic Games in Rio, where he finished in fourth place. I'm from Michigan, so uh, ice hockey's popular. So I played, yeah, I played hockey growing up. I was probably middle school or so at the time, and one of my friends was more into running, I guess, than I was, and uh, I went out for middle school track with him. And I guess it quickly kind of became apparent that any future career I would have in athletics was not going to be ice hockey. <laughs> it would it'd probably more be uh, running. And so I continued to run in high school. And I graduated high school in 2004. I think I did my first triathlon in 2013. Okay. I was competing in college. Uh, it was at an indoor track invitational in Seattle, Washington. And I just had a, a decent 5K. I think I finished second in the heat I was in. It was so it was a, a good race for me. And I was actually approached by the Paralympic track coach for, mm. for the United States. And I blew it off at the time. I had no idea what the Paralympics was. Or okay. what it, and <laughs> so I, I was just like, I, you know, I'm competing at this high level in college. And I don't need, I, I don't even know what the Paralympics are. Um, and so I kind of just blew off the opportunity when it came up that first time around. And so speaking with friends, teammates, coaches who knew a bit too, and they're like, hey, this is a really cool opportunity for you to represent your country, uh, travel internationally, um, compete, like continue to compete post-collegiately. And so that's kind of when I started to look into it a bit more. But yeah, it, was, it wasn't like something I actively pursued. Um, and it, it's kind of, 
funny how yeah now it's such a big part of my life yeah. and i avoided it at first absolutely that's a really fascinating story really interesting so I'm a big believer in micro habits or micro behaviors. We talk about that a lot um, when it comes to personal well-being. Uh, obviously, as as a, you know, a professional athlete such as yourself, you do a lot of training in your sport, a lot of training of your physical body. But can you talk about some potentially other micro habits, small things that you do throughout your day to keep you centered, to keep you grounded, especially at times of of, of competition? Yeah, that's a good question. I guess the biggest thing I really try to do is just to focus on the here and now and focus on the things that I can control. Like it does me no good, you know, to just worry about Tokyo. That's still, you know, not until August. <laughs> and um, in order to get there and to do my the best that I can do there, like there's millions and millions of things that have to happen <laughs> like before then. And so... I really just try to focus on what I can in the current moment. And I, I think if I were to kind of project into the future too much, I would drive myself crazy because there's so much that you can't control. Right. There's so much that has to get done. Um, and that would just be doing a disservice to when I'm where I'm at and what I'm trying to do. And are there any specific habits that you have to help you stay focused in the here and now? I mean, mindfulness is 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 a big area, I think, in, in sports and also in the corporate world. Is that something that yeah. you practice or that you, you know, encourage others to practice? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, it definitely is. Um, with Within the USOC, the sports psychs who work for them, that's something they really are pushing. Uh, when I got my PhD in sports psychology that I studied positive psychology mm -hmm. and that was a big component of it as well. And I don't formally practice as much as I should or as I tell my own student athletes to do <laughs> when I coach. But it is something I try to do because what it really does is it just it gives you the opportunity to respond rather than just to react. react yeah. And so that's so valuable because things can go wrong and your reaction might not be the best thing that you can do in that moment or your natural reaction. Right. And that's happened to me in a race before where it was the world championship and I dropped my chain. Like I'm so on your bike, if you kind of catch yourself in a bad uh, gear, like the chain can fall off mm. and, and it's like, you know, you're in a race, you're in a world championship. That's a horrible thing to happen, yeah. but you could react and just freak out or you can, take a split second and like calmly respond by putting your chain bike back on your bike and continuing on with your race. And that's something that I, yeah, it, it, it happened to me. It's not ideal, but what was the outcome of that race? I finished in third. So on the podium at the world championships. Wow. Well, yeah. So that's, I mean, that's <laughs> a, a pretty big endorsement of mindfulness and, and meditation and being able to be in the moment to respond versus react. Yeah. Yeah, yeah definitely. When we're talking or when you're preparing for an actual competition or performance, do you have any specific rituals that you do? I know we hear a lot about a lot of athletes that have, you know, pre-performance rituals that they do. I'd love to hear about any of yours. Honestly, I don't have any. No. Yeah, nothing. I think I well, I think a lot of times when people it's OK to have like the pre-race routines and it could be beneficial depending on where you are where you're at mentally like maybe that's something that can help you to relax or concentrate but you don't want to be too reliant on those because then if something goes wrong mm. and then you're you're out of whack or it's 
you, you feel like you're not in your best position to compete. So I really tried to do away with those and just be able to function at my highest level, no matter what the circumstances. I remember at, in London in 2012, it was like it was such a surreal experience because you're staging below the Olympic Stadium and it's they just usher you from one place to another. And there was no way that any routine I had like going into it would I would have been able to simulate it. So mm. I, it's so, yeah, I guess for me personally, I like to just be able to to roll with the punches. Show and, up and take, take yeah. in whatever it is to yeah. take in. So do you think that that um, y- you mentioned your background, um, you're in, in, in sports psychology um, and we we've talked about, you know, physical training. I, I guess what I'm trying to get at is the the importance of um, mental training when it comes to sport or other things that we're passionate about. Yes, we can train our bodies physically, but I have a belief that our our minds are just as powerful, if not more powerful when, when we show up for a big event or a race in your case. So how has your background in sports psychology, do you think, how, how's that helped you and how do you coach others um, when it comes to that? Yeah, I mean, here's the thing, especially in a sport, the sport is still predominantly physical. Mm-hmm. I, I, you can't put a percentage on it, but maybe it is 95% physical, 99% physical and only 1% mental. Mm-hmm. But it's that 1% mental that controls the 99% that's physical. And so that's how I look at it is, yeah, it's a physical sport. You have to train the physical. But if you don't have that mental component down, it could just ruin everything for you. And so that's my, from my, I guess, personal experience and education, it's, it's something I do emphasize that I need to be, I need to take that seriously. And again, it's something... When life is busy, I spend, I always prioritize like the the swim, bike, and run, mm-hmm. and maybe not so much the formal sports psychology uh, things that I could do to benefit myself. <laughs> but it is something that's always, you know, if not at the forefront of my mind, it's not too far behind. And yeah. And and what are some things that people can do to help kind of train that mental side? There's, there's so many things. <laughs> I mean. The one thing I find really that that works really well is imagery. Just like seeing yourself do something. So visualizing. Visual, it. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Visualization is yeah the maybe the more common term, but I like imagery because visualization mm. just implies you're seeing it. But like imagery, y- you want it to be like an experience. So what does it feel like? What does oh, it wow. smell like? Yeah. Like, all, like incorporate as many senses as you can. Make it as real of an experience as you can. I like that. That's, that's, that's a really good tip. What else, what else you got? <laughs> <laughs> um, I mean, I think the ability to relax when it's appropriate is it, like any coach will say to their athletes, like, you know, just relax out there. Like assuming that that's a skill that everyone has, but really like r- people don't like, they have to learn how to relax. And so, um, you know, doing relaxation exercises, whether it is meditation or just like breath awareness or there's other techniques like um, that you can do, but just learning mm-hmm. how to relax. Or for some people, maybe they aren't, relaxation's not a problem. Maybe they need to like pump themselves up. So mm-hmm. I guess it's more that being able to regulate the amount of arou- like your arousal so you can get to that 
zone of optimal functioning. Mm-hmm. And a big part of that is knowing what your zone of optimal functioning is. Like some people, they d- respond well when there's a ton of pressure on them. And some people, you don't want to feel that pressure. So kind of having that self-awareness mm-hmm. to, si- like to know, you know, this is where I perform best. And then having the tools to get you into that zone. I completely agree with that. Thinking about the the Olympic Games and the Paralympic Games for athletes, that that kind of falls four years apart. What what do you do in the in the in between time uh-huh. <laughs> to keep yourself physically and and, and mentally healthy? <laughs> yeah, well, it is different because you're looking at it as a quadrennium. Mm-hmm. So maybe you know for triathlon, you have three disciplines between swim, bike, and run. Maybe you're going to sacrifice some of components of your triathlon in a certain year to improve others and realizing I might not see the immediate results, but in the big picture, it's going to help me achieve what I want to achieve. Mm. But so that's what I guess from the period periodization standpoint, yeah. you you really break it apart that way, knowing that you have four years to to put it all together mentally. You, I think you do want to step back and maybe n- just, you know, enjoy some other parts of life a little bit more and yeah. not be wholly consumed by this one thing. So I don't know if I'm going on past Tokyo, but I do know, you know, 2021 is going to be, I'm, it's going to be a little bit of a step back from triathlon. I have a two, two-year-old and a five-year-old. Mm. I have a job. <laughs> like it's so a lot (laughs) yeah yeah and and i not that i neglect any of those other responsibilities but it will be good to kind of you know yeah like just spread out my time more and just maybe yeah put triathlon on the back burner a little bit but i think that's such a powerful message for anyone in life whether they're you know a professional athlete or not but you know that I, I, that that four years between games is is fascinating to me, and I and I think about it in terms of you know my professional career. You know, we're, we we all live in this go 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 society, and we don't really take the time to step back and you know and number one celebrate our successes. We just keep moving on, and number two, we don't look at it as the quite often we don't look at it as the, as the long game and i love what you said about you know i might focus on swimming or i might focus on biking and i won't see the those results immediately but in the in the long term they'll they'll make me better and i think that's just such a really powerful message so thank you for sharing that yeah yeah no having perspective is one of those things that's easier said than done but of course <laughs> and that's why it's so beneficial to have a coach or someone who can kind of hold you accountable in some ways but just also hold you back in other ways cuz I know I'm a coach to athletes and they always want to just go, go, go. Like one of my athletes in particular, she's always going 100 miles per hour. Like her foot's all the way down on the gas pedal. It's just like, you know, I'm trying to ring her in a little bit. Like you don't always need to be pushing it that hard. Do you worry about burnout with the athletes that you coach? Or do you see that? You, it's a fine line you have to, yeah, because you do need to push it, but but that's why you need a coach because yeah. I can tell my own athletes like, hey, bring it like you got to bring it back a little bit where. But then here I am doing the same <laughs> exact thing as they, that they do. So then my coach has to. I guess that's the human condition, right? Yeah, the message exactly. is we all need some sort of coach in our life. Yeah, right? ex- yeah exactly. <laughs> or just someone who can kind of you can bounce ideas off of or someone yeah. who. Yeah, I think that's so beneficial. Yeah. 
All right. So you talked about uh, your your two children, a two year old and a five year old. Um, so talk to me a little bit about how you integrate family life with training and with a job, because I think that's something that many of our listeners um, are. You know, we, we all struggle with that, regardless of what our our career, or our life looks like. So can you tell me how how you make that happen in your own life? Yeah, I mean, family is my number one priority, mm. like my girls, my wife that's that always has to come number one and i I, there's trips i don't take training trips races i don't take because it just it would be too much um it's one of the converse so i finished in fourth at rio Mm -hmm. at the paralympic games in triathlon congratulations thanks (laughs) but it's tough because that's you know the first place off of the podium and I, i forget who asked this but the question was like well if you weren't pursuing a phd program if you weren't married, you know, with, you know, a, a kid, like, how do you think that would have changed things? Wow. And it's like, well, maybe I would have been finished on the podium, but it doesn't mean that that's like I would never trade my life Absolutely. for that in a million years. Right. So having that perspective about what really matters is 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 what really keeps me going and knowing that this like a tri- triathlon is not who I am. It's a big part of like who I am but it, it doesn't define, doesn't define me yeah. yeah and so having that perspective makes it takes the pressure off also like you know I I have nothing to lose here like I love being a triathlete but at the end of the day that's not yeah that doesn't define me it's my kids my family yeah. that yeah do you uh do you involve your girls in your training at all do you <laughs> think do you think they're gonna follow in your footsteps <laughs> I know two and five so probably early to tell I'll but. never force them to um <laughs> But I think that's triathlon and running. It's just a, it's a cool thing that you can share with your family. Like you can go for runs and bike rides and learning to swim is a great skill. Right now, um, they, they, they definitely know what triathlon is. They are, they hang around my team a lot mm-hmm. of, of my collegiate triathlon team. So they have some pretty cool role models there of, you know, young, strong, like, women who are pursuing the sport at a high level uh, it, but i don't know I, I i'd like to see him do it but no pressure yeah <laughs> yeah so how has being a coach um helped shape you maybe how has it changed you um as an athlete yourself and what give me one or two things that you've actually learned from the students that you coach oh that's a good <laughs> question uh it well it shapes me for one because i'm learning more I'm trying to, I'm putting myself in the position to learn more about, you know, the, uh, the science behind training. Mm -hmm. Like I know from all my years of training, I, I kind of have a good idea of like the art of coaching or the art of training, how things fit together. But now I'm learning more about the science as to why they fit together so well. So that's been beneficial. Um, What my team has taught me that's a good question. <laughs> I feel like I should come up with a good answer or else they'll be offended. <laughs> um, I, it's just been refreshing because a lot of my team, they did not come a, from a triathlon background. Mm. And for them to, you know, a lot of them are also international or definitely not from West Virginia where my where my college is. So mm-hmm. for them to, to take that big leap and to try a new sport, go to a new place, start – go to college start a team that you know is just now two years old we built it from 
the ground up starting yeah. last year like that takes a lot of courage and so i find that motivates me as well that you know these these young athletes are student athletes are willing to take that step and to try new things and push themselves to learn and that 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 really refreshes kind of it's inspiring yeah 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 so it keeps you inspired motivated that's yeah. awesome so do you have a proudest moment in your own professional career i don't i'm not really results driven like okay. that's i really want interesting yeah i really want to be on the podium at tokyo like i i've i think that would be incredible but it's just learning the the sport is what really so it's the journey for you not the destination yeah <laughs> i mean i almost quit before or like when i just got started in 2013 when i contacted the team usa paratriathlon team manager and said hey i'm interested in coming out to for triathlon or like trying out for the team usa team here's my background as a runner no background as a swimmer or cyclist um you know that so they flew me out to the Chula Vista Olympic Training Center at the time and one of the things we did was we had to swim in one of the bays so you know attached to the ocean and you know I, I obviously I, I could run and I, I knew how to ride a bike I, I, so that was a skill I could learn but it was the swimming that was really going to get me so swimming in a pool was you know I was slow but now swimming in an ocean that was something else so you wear a wetsuit if the water's cold enough, which even in Southern California, it was at the time. So you wear a wetsuit, which is cool because it makes you look like a superhero. <laughs> it's like this tight, like tight, like black rubbery material. Yeah. Uh, but it's also really tight. And so you, we were maybe I was 50 yards offshore and it was just so constricting around my neck. And I've never had a panic attack before and I've never had one since, but I'm, like in that moment, I was just, you know, it was really rough. Was, and so I was thinking like, I triathlon's just not for me. Like if I get back to the shore, which I probably won't because there's probably sharks in this water. Oh my gosh. <laughs> like, so you went there. Yeah, yeah. It's like, if I get back, I'm done. I'm, I quit triathlon and this is just too much for me. Like I can run, I can bike, but I cannot learn this swimming thing, especially in open water. But then I, I took a moment to collect it to collect myself and realize like, you know, I've never quit anything before in my life. I'm not going to start now. And I didn't think I'd, I didn't know what I would become as a triathlete, but I knew I wasn't going to quit like at the first obstacle I faced. And so going back to your question, I think that's what I'm really proud of is that I just stuck with it mm. and I continue to learn and I continue, continue to get better. I mean, I'm, I'm not young. I'm one of the oldest, uh, triathletes in my classification and and not just by a few years by a lot of years it's a young man's sport apparently but you know I'm still young is relative yeah yeah <laughs> but I'm still making progress I'm still getting decent results and I'm proud that I've just I never gave up and I keep working at it and are you used to the wetsuit now <laughs> <laughs> yes yes but uh, I, Tokyo will not be a wetsuit swim, so okay. nothing okay. to worry there. <laughs> good, good. So then what's your proudest moment as a coach? And there's probably a lot, right? Yeah. <laughs> I, I mean, again, I, not the outcomes we experienced as a team were incredible. Winning a regional championship, finishing second at the national championship, having the individual national champion, 
we're all incredible. Uh, but I, you don't do it for the outcome. So I'm just, I'm just proud of how the team comes together from all different backgrounds. We have people from Spain, from Austria, from Canada, someone from India, yeah. from all over the U.S. to form this, all meet like forming a team in West Virginia. Right. And it's just, you know, coming together to work towards a common goal and to, to form a family and to be such good role models for my children. Like, I'm just proud that this team is, this team exists and that they've, that they they work together to do this that's awesome well that's that again is another really powerful message so i have one final question and it might be the most important of the entire (laughs) podcast according to the official team usa website your name is on the wall of fame (laughs) in a bar in michigan for eating 12 chili dogs in one setting do you want to do you want to share this story with (laughs) us chris (laughs) yeah so i like to eat um that's one thing I'm, you know, the nutritionists or dietitians or with the USOC, they they've never really been able to change my <laughs> my affinity towards food and junk food, <laughs> though I think I do better now. But that was in college. A group of my teammates, we went out to I think only a few of us tried <laughs> this task and I was successful. And yeah, I won't ask about the aftermath. <laughs> <laughs> But yeah, I, I'm I'm definitely not some like food eating champion. Or, but my other that's not your next career. We're not going to see you go on <laughs> to uh, do a you know the hot dog eating contest. No, no, I can't compete there. I know my wife makes fun of me because whenever there's a challenge or something, just a problem that I need to fix or like, I just am relentless in my pursuit of figuring it out. Whether it's like just something around the house that needs to be fixed or. Um, a question that I'm trying to figure out and it's just in a way I, I think it annoys her because it's like you know just drop it come back to it like <laughs> we have to go or something like that but that's just kind of my mindset is I'm just I'm de- I, I'm singularly determined to whatever's in front of me to 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 achieve to achieve excellence or to be successful and it's hard for me to let that go and so do you think there's a downside to that I mean, yeah, there's probably a downside in like because <laughs> you said your coach kind of has to tell you, yeah, when, like how helps you modulate, right? Yeah. And so if you didn't have that coach, potentially there'd be a bigger downside. Yeah, to exactly. <laughs> so one thing that happened was when I was in um, middle school, like m- my friend who got me to run track, he was, you know, more talented, and. I think the coach, you know, was expecting more of him. And I remember because he told me this story that the coach told him, like, you know, Hammer, like you're more talented than him, but he runs faster than you because he's had to work harder to accomplish things his whole life. Like I get like having one hand and that's not something I never really thought about before. But I guess that's just it, it was just something I've dealt with my whole life. And so maybe I do work harder to do the things that other people might take for granted. And I'm, I'm never offended when people bring it up. Like kids ask questions all the time. And like, I realize, I guess that's kind of my apprehension about joining parasports to begin with, because I never considered myself to have a disability because I was always expected to do anything that anyone else could do. Um, but it, you know, you have to realize like, well, this is the reality of the situation. Like, 
I have one hand and some things that other people can do are it's more difficult for me but it's yeah there's nothing to be offended by that by it's just yeah I do what I can curious yeah yeah just be the best that I can be it's not until like I got older and you know you think about things more you become more reflective I guess that I you I start putting the pieces together Mm. just how like I was raised my favorite book growing up or at least the book I was read the most was the little engine that could mm. <laughs> like and like on my wall there's a poster that's like says accept the challenges so that you may feel the exhilaration of victory oh. and it's like i had other siblings i don't think they were ever like groomed in the same way to be like hey like you can do anything you set your mind to so i think that's just kind of how i was how i was raised and it's i credit my parents for instilling that in me that's awesome I'm sure everyone who's successful in what they do, they are determined. Yeah. I and mean, there's a few people who are so talented, but, you know, it's that that's such the minority. Mm-hmm. The vast majority of people who are successful are successful because they are relentless in their pursuit of that success. Agreed. Yep. I'm so glad Chris could be here today. Thank you to our producers and our listeners. You can find the WorkWell podcast series on Deloitte.com or you can visit various podcatchers using the keyword WorkWell, all one word, to hear more. And if you like the show, don't forget to subscribe so you get all of our future episodes. If you have a topic you'd like to hear on the WorkWell podcast series or maybe a story you would like to share, Please reach out to me on LinkedIn. My profile is under the name Jen Fisher or on Twitter at JenFish23. We're always open to your recommendations and feedback. And of course, if you like what you hear, please share, post, and like this podcast. Thank you and be well.